everyone out there. To all of you that are lovers of lifestyle, entertainment, and sports, thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of the Man Cave Huddle. And I am your host, Greg. And in this episode, we will be discussing week nine in the league known as the NFL, where they play for pay. Now, um, one thing I wanted to start off with was last Thursday night's game. And these Thursday night games, I don't know if they want to look at them or just rethink the idea of having these Thursday night games. Because when you look at some of the performances that have been going on, it's really not that, how should I say, good of a product. I mean, you had the San Francisco 49ers beating the Oakland Raiders 34-3, in which Nick Mullins, first-time starter, threw his first pass in this game. Went 16 for 22, 262 yards, three touchdowns. And, I mean, it was a dominant performance by the 49ers. It's looking like the Raiders, I don't want to say they're tanking, but I'm saying that wasn't a good game at all. It looked like they just threw the towel and did the Raiders. But, hey, I mean, trading Khalil Mack, I think that was the uh, key alarm to let you know what was going on. Moving right along, let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs playing the Cleveland Browns. Now, this was a good game. Why? Because Pat Mahomeboy, a.k.a. Pat Mahomes, threw his hat, I don't want to say officially, but at this point, the MVP race right now is a three-headed monster. Out there, you have Mr. Tomas Brady, Mr. My Name Isn't Andrew, is Drew Brees, and Pat Mahomeboy Mahomes as the core, as the, I don't want to say the quarterbacks for MVP, but at this point, it's a three-headed race, and they all happen to be quarterbacks. I mean, yes, it was against Cleveland on the road, but Pat Mahomes, 23 for 32, 375 yards, and three touchdowns with an interception. That would be a nice day's workout. I mean, we're almost halfway through. I'd say we're over halfway through the season. He has 2,901 yards. 29 touchdowns. I mean, we're looking at potentially 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. I'm not talking Madden. I'm talking about real life. And he's a first-year starter. Andy Reid knows what he's doing when he's the quarterback coach. Now let's talk about the New York Jets going down south to play the Miami Dolphins. Now look, people want to talk about the performance by, by Sam Darnold. And in this loss, in which it was 13 to 6, but Sam Darnold threw four interceptions in this game. And it was a game in which, look, I don't want to say that he's regressing. I want to more so say, I want to more so say that it's a game in which, look, rookies go through games where they just don't know what they're seeing, and what they're seeing is not what they see. They were undercutting all his routes. They were running coverages he's probably never seen before. And in the fourth quarter, when the game was still there to be had, he was trying to make plays. I don't know if he's regressing. It's just at this point in the season, when you're in college, you're winding down. And you're already half, you're only halfway through the NFL. It's a rookie quarterback. He's going to take his lumps. Now, in another interesting game, we had the Atlanta Falcons playing the Washington Redskins. Now, look, Falcons wind up taking this game, 
but the Redskins suffered more than just a loss in this game. I mean, guard Brandon Sheriff with a torn peck, guard Sean Lavo with a torn ACL, and wide receiver Paul Richardson with the AC joint all gone for the year. All starters for the Redskins. So, I mean, in a division in the NFC East where it's wide open and it was beginning to look like the Redskins would, could pull away from the pack, how did these injuries affect the Redskins? We don't know. I mean, you're losing two guards with a running back like Adrian Peterson. Are they going to be able to run the ball and set up the pass? There's only one way to find out. That'll be this upcoming weekend. Now, Houston at Denver. I mean, this was a very interesting game on a multitude of levels. I mean, when you think about the, the season that the Houston Texans are having, mind you, they started off 0-3. Now, they are 6-3, and looking like a playoff team and a division leader in the AFC South. I mean, by week four, it just seems like everything clicked and everything came together. I mean, you had Deshaun Watson passing for 213 yards, two touchdowns. And you had DeAndre Hopkins, 10 receptions, a buck 05, one touchdown. And look, we've all never said it before. And I think now we can begin to say, and we need to really talk about top receivers in the game right now. Because now that DeAndre Hopkins has a quarterback, you're beginning to see how good he really is. I mean, he was producing with quarterbacks that probably aren't even in the league. And now that he has a legit quarterback, you begin to see him week in and week out put good numbers up, producing really well on the season. And speaking of great receivers, how about this shootout in when the Los Angeles Rams traveled to Nola, New Orleans? I mean, talk about a shootout. It just seems like... When you come to New Orleans, you better pack your offense because, you know, if you don't put up points, it could get ugly early. Now, in saying that, um, the New Orleans Saints wound up winning this game 45-35. to Now, this was a game where early on it was, it looked like it was going to be a blowout. Saints up 21, Rams couldn't move the ball. Then came out in the second half, and all of a sudden, by the time you knew it, this was a tie game, 35-35. But being at home in New Orleans, I mean, the Saints are a different team when they play at home. Yeah, it's a dome, but the noise, and they're just a different team when they play at home. And in saying that, the, the uh, Saints did prevail 45-35 in this victory. And let me tell you something. If the season goes the way it should, this was game one of two, and I could see this being a rematch uh, in the NFC title game. Now, the Rams are 8-1. and one, New Orleans Saints are 7-1. So right now, both of them are racing to have that home field advantage because I'm sure the Rams don't want to go back to New Orleans, and New Orleans knows how hard it is for teams to beat them in New Orleans. But when I was talking earlier about wide receivers in the game and top wide receivers, I mean, let's take for a, a, a minute a guy, for me, everybody who's saying he's really good, he put his name in the ring of top five receivers. And that guy is Michael Thomas. He had 12 receptions, 211 yards, and a touchdown. 
12 receptions off of 15 targets, by the way. He had a longer 72. But, I mean, when you look at top receivers in the game, right, now you got to start thinking to yourself, I mean, is this guy really legit? And how could you sit there and say no? But then look at all the other receivers that you have in the league. And not that you're going to say in this order, this is what the top five are. But when you think about it, right, you have Mr. Antonio Brown. Although he's having a down year yardage-wise, he only had 594 yards. He has nine touchdowns. Year in and year out, he always produces. You have Mr. Odell Beckham putting up nice numbers. You have Tyreek Hill. He's a big splash type of quarterback, but they come every week. So it's at the point now where you can count on them. And I, the aforementioned Michael Thomas, the aforementioned DeAndre Hopkins. What about Julio Jones? I understand he may not be getting the touchdowns that he wants this year. For some reason, it didn't happen last year. But he's second in the NFL with 933 reception yards. And one guy that I'm going to talk to you about right now that needs to be talked about in top receivers, you have to talk about Adam Thielen on the Minnesota Vikings. A lot of people right now are probably saying, who? He only leads the NFL in receptions with 78. He only leads the NFL in targets with 103. He only leads the NFL in yards with 947. I mean, when you when when you think about the the the, the guy, he doesn't have any discernible talent where you're like Odell Beckham, the explosive plays, the quick slant that he could take five yards and turn it into an eighty yard touchdown. Tyreek Hill, seventy yard receptions. Antonio Brown, he, he you look at him by the end of the game, it's eight receptions for one hundred fifty some odd yards. DeAndre Hopkins showing you that he could be a number one receiver. Julio Jones, this beast of an animal, Michael Thomas, showing you now that, look, he's here, and he's here to stay. But Adam Thielen, you know what he is? All those other receivers could be like luxury cars, and Adam Thielen is like that. I don't even want to say a 2018. He's like a 2009 Honda Accord, and you look and laugh. But then when you look at the production, you're like, wait a minute, what's so funny? I mean, this guy is legit every week. You sit, you can't sit there and say he's not going to do it because he does it every week. Based on production, I'm putting Adam Thielen in there. Now, I don't, I'm not saying he's the best, but when you want to talk about top receivers in the game, he's definitely in there for me. Anybody want to dispute that? Man Cave Huddle, at me on Twitter, and we could talk about it. Now, that L.A. Rams, New Orleans Saints, that was the appetizer. This was dinner. Packers at Patriots. That was dinner time. The Battle of the Goats, where you had Aaron Rodgers versus Mr. Tomas Brady. This was a battle of people saying that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback, most talent, better arm, can make throws other quarterbacks can only dream of, better mobility. Tom Brady, he's the GOAT because he had not only been to more Super Bowls, he's won more Super Bowls than anybody else. Haven't we heard this argument before? For all the fans out there that know their history, didn't we have this debate back in the day when Joe Montana and John Elway were both playing? 
where Elway had the raw talent, but never won chips until it came to the end of his career. And Joe Montana maybe wasn't as talented as John Elway, but had the genius of a head coach, the system that was way ahead of everybody, and was able to just basically win off of that. But who do we consider to be the GOAT until Tom Brady came? Joe Montana. Why? Because he won. Now, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is not the more skilled quarterback. And I think that's where we begin. When you talk about players, I think you got to talk about skill and player. Because I think when you talk about player, it encompasses winning. But when you talk about individual talent, that's a different conversation you're going to have. Because Aaron Rodgers is the better quarterback skill-wise. The better player? Tom Brady. You already know. Now, in watching this game, the Pats and the, the, the Packers, they both came out running. Why? To set up the, the, the pass. Use a little bit of up-tempo. But what I noticed about these quarterbacks, and they're both so good and both so great, they spread the ball around. I mean, the, the ball, I mean, as soon as the back foot is planted, it's like, is it the tight end this time? Is it this receiver? Is it that receiver? And when you're watching them play, both quarterbacks are responsible for so much at the line of scrimmage. I mean, it's like they get to the line, they identify the defense, they call out the protection, they look at the receivers if it's a pass play, they're audibleizing. It's almost like they have the playbook in their head at the line of scrimmage, and although it could be a specific formation, they're using all the sign language and movements with their body to communicate to the receivers what route you're going to run because the either Rodgers or Brady wants a route adjustment. And the game is such a chess match. I mean, you come out, you do this defense, and then the other quarterback has the answer for it, so you try and fool him with this defense and that defense. And look, I mean, this was, this was beautiful to watch watching greatness happen, both these quarterbacks playing each other. But one thing about the Patriots that I really admire, they get players where they get the most out of that player. You could sit there and say, this player is good at this, but it doesn't fit in our system, but this is what you do good for us. And the reason why I mention that is Cor Cordell Patterson, First-round draft pick as a receiver, specialist, kick returner. For some reason, it just didn't work out with him being a receiver. He came to the Patriots. It still didn't work out. Injured Sonny Michelle, so they put him in that running back, and number 84 was moving the ball on the field as a running back. And, I mean, I'm sure maybe in high school or back in the day, but all of that kick returning, quick fidgety movement type of running, is what he was able to do from the running back position. And it was very effective, sparking the Patriot offense. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, both teams were running the ball surprisingly well, but it's almost like they run just so they can set up the pass. And in the end, it felt like by the start of the fourth quarter, it was all knotted up at 17. But unfortunately... You had a fumble by the Packers running back. And you knew at that point that error was going to lead to the eventual touchdown in which it allowed the Patriots to take one touchdown lead, meaning that the Packers either had to score twice or had to score and stop them. And in this game, it just felt like 
if it was a tight game late, the, t- the team who had the ball last was going to win. But the fact that it was a two-score game, it wound up being the Patriots coming out on top. It was a good game, though. Both quarterbacks did play exceptional. And, I mean, it was a victory for the, like I said, the Patriots. It was 31-17. But Tom Brady went 22 for 35, 294 yards and only one touchdown. Whereas Aaron Rodgers went for 259, two touchdowns. So I don't want to say that either quarterback outplayed the other one. They're kind of around the same area. It's just, you know, in typical fashion, Aaron Rodgers made more beautiful passes, but Tom Brady came out with the win. And that's why I say you have to maybe start using separate categories. Maybe you got to say player and skill set. And last night, well, I don't want to say last night to age this episode, but in Monday Night Football, you had the Tennessee Titans at the Dallas Cowboys. And let me tell you something. This was a game where you had the Dallas Cowboys losing in epic fashion against the Washington Redskins on the road. Had a week off. They were undefeated at home. Tennessee Titans having a hard time on offense. They acquired the services of Amari Cooper. You're thinking, man, this is it. The Cowboys are going to blow up on Monday Night Football, and they're going to put the league on notice, and they're going to let everybody know in the NFC East, we're coming for the title. What happened? Tennessee Titans winning the blowout 28-14. This was a huge win for the Titans. They are now only a game behind the Houston Texans in the AFC South. I mean, the Titans in this game scored more points than they have all season up to this point. This was such, for me, a demoralizing loss for Dallas. Why? Because of a couple reasons. It's hard to make the playoffs when you're 3-5 and five and you're struggling to find yourself halfway through the season. In this game, you had a situation where they were players that they were plays, not players. They had the ball 7-0. Did the Cowboys. They capitalized off a turnover from Tennessee and were driving. This is the first half. You're thinking you go up 14-0, you put a stranglehold on this game, you might be able to milk this game away early on in the first half with Zeke Elliott. And what happens? Dak, uh, Dak Prescott throws. Uh, 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 there's, no, there's no other way to put it. A bad interception and double coverage in the back of the end zone. And that led to a 15-play drive that led to the game-tying TD. And that point swing right there, you call that a 14-point point swing because not only did the Cowboys not get any points, it led to Tennessee points where as opposed to having a stranglehold, now this became a game and you invigorated Tennessee. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, Dak Prescott played statistically okay. He went 21 for 31 for 243 yards, two touchdowns, a lost fumble, and that demoralizing interception. And, you know, I think reason the problem with the Cowboys is they are still trying to figure out who they are as a team, and they're trying to make themselves something that they're not. When they were successful, they were running the ball with Ezekiel Elliott. They were play-action passing with Dak Prescott. And Prescott was either able to find guys deep 
or he was able to use his athleticism to extend or make plays. Now, I understand acquiring the services of Amari Cooper to try and open up Dak Prescott's passing game, but you can see that to stir is the to stir the drink with this Cowboy offense, you need to have Ezekiel Elliott be that guy. Because when Ezekiel Elliott is that guy, you can see it opens up everything for everybody. Now, we did have 17 rushes, only 61 yards, 3.6 yards a clip per carry. But it just feels like when Zeke can control the momentum of the offense for Dallas, that's when they're great. And... This loss could be the type of loss that could send Dallas into a tailspin for the rest of the season because now you're looking up at Philadelphia, the reigning Super Bowl champions. And like I said, although the Redskins are number one right now in the NFC East suffering those injuries, who knows if that's really going to be where they finish the season. So only time will tell, but the beautiful part about it is it all gets to play itself out. Now, I appreciate you taking the time out to listen to the recap of Week 9 in the league where they play for pay. But I'd like to end this episode the way I do every episode, with a positive note. And today's positive note is, listen, too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. Mm-hmm. We don't need to live for the haters. Live for yourself. I'm going to repeat that quote. Too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. Thank you for listening. And bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>